Awesome. So great to be with you. One point is one point, hey guys. And if you do it, you do it twice. Now that's that's something. <laughs> yeah, I love I loved what you said, uh, Sam. That it's hard to feel like you're not God's favored nation right now. God is so faithful. God is so faithful, and I feel like it is a sign to South Africa that He's with us. That. You know, despite the fact that things are rough right now, one point is one point. That he's moving us forward step by step and he's, he's doing brilliant things. So take heart, hear the word of the Lord. God is with us. Amen. Amen. So we are continuing our sermon series on the book of Acts. We are in chapter 19 and 20 today. You would have read that in your small groups this past week, and you probably had some brilliant insights as you were sitting there. I, I, Andrew and I lead a connect group, and you know, every week it's really hard not to preach just exactly what they said because they so give us such brilliant insights into the chapters. But today we are going to look at Acts 19, and I've called it the Word in the World. The Word in the World. <laughs> Andrew's saying, wow. For those of you who are visitors right now, Andrew is the king of alliteration. It's just impossible for him not to do it. So a month ago, I was a month ago I was with a, a connect group, and um, a lot of them weren't from our church. Only one of them was, and it was a very profound ladies' connect group. We we talked about some really amazing things, and we prayed for one another. And one of the girls there told us about how her brother had been. Uh, having these very strange medical experiences and had gone to the doctor and they were, they were pretty much certain that he had MS, multiple sclerosis. And so it was deeply disturbing for the family, deeply disturbing uh, for his friends. And there and then at the Connect Group, we, we laid hands on the sister and we prayed for the brother and really felt God just confirm to our hearts that everything was going to be okay. We, we declared healing over his body, just everything coming perfectly into being. Um, Gudrun was in that group with me, and you know, she prayed a fantastic prayer that just I could feel heaven say yes when she prayed it. And then uh, we heard maybe... Uh, Two or three days later, in light of the fact that he had this diagnosis, they had to do further tests to determine the, the, the kind of treatment he needed. So he went back for the further tests, and to their absolute surprise, they could not find one single bit of evidence of MS in his body. I know, I know. One point is one point, guys. The, the story ends with us winning. Jesus always wins. I am going to ask if you would play that audio for me. Thank you. Good morning, Pastor Andrew. Um, I forgot to send you the message. Um, I've got good news to tell you. 
My mum went in on Wednesday to the heart specialist because the specialist here in Randfontein couldn't do anything for her anymore. Like I said, she had water around the heart, there's inflammation in the heart and heart muscle wasn't working properly anymore and there was a lot of complications and so on. And um, we trusted God and we prayed and we believed God, not just for a miracle, but for a new heart as well. On Wednesday, she went to Flora to go and see the special heart specialist at the hospital. And um, when he looked at my mom's heart, God did not only do a miracle, he also replaced her heart. He gave her a brand new heart. The doctor said to her, there's absolutely nothing wrong with her heart. It's like she has got a brand new heart. That's a faithful God we serve. He is so awesome. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that was a voice note sent by Jack. Many of you know Jack to Pastor Andrew um, during the week. It just, just thrilled my heart to hear that because his mom is in her late 70s so you know that's just amazing that God would do that it gives us all hope for our old age God is going to do great things so the the bottom line is in Christ there are marvelous miracles wherever we go God is doing amazing things and we can trust and believe in impossible situations for solutions that man could not bring because that's the God we serve so I want to read with you a portion of scripture from Acts 19. And you, you will remember Paul is now in the city of Ephesus. And you remember chapter 19 when you read it. I mean, it is jam-packed with incredible stuff. We're going to take... Well, most of it actually, but it's one of those chapters where you feel tired when you get to the end because it's like so much happened. But starting in verse 8, it says, Paul entered the synagogue in Ephesus and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. You see what happens when you leave God. <laughs> oh, my, it's, my, it's my computer that did that. Oh, Don. Sorry, everyone, everyone turn to your neighbor and say, you're amazing, God's with you. I'm going to tell you another test me while we're waiting. So, so um, my sister um, has been diagnosed with colon cancer. And it's very, very serious. So it's not just the beginning stages. It's uh, stage three and very, very serious. Um, so we have obviously been praying for her. They, uh, they were very concerned because the cancer is in her colon, but it had also, it appeared to have spread to her lymph nodes in her abdomen. I didn't even know you had lymph nodes in your abdomen, but apparently you do. 
so the cancer had spread there, um, and so they they operated and they had to remove her entire colon. Your sad news, um, and they they. They removed between 40 and 50. I forgot to check the exact number because I wasn't prepared to share this testimony. But between 40 and 50 lymph nodes in her abdomen. Um, before she went in, we had we had prayed and we had bound that cancer and we had prayed all the normal Christian prayers. They they then obviously do a biopsy on the various parts that they have removed, and they sent her brilliant news. And the news is that every single one of her lymph nodes are clear, despite the fact that it seemed apparent beforehand that they all had been infected. So God is so faithful, and God is doing brilliant things. We can, we can, as I said, trust in impossible situations for God to be there for us. Amen and amen. So, where were we? They had refused to believe and maligned the way. So Paul left them. We made it. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years, so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Now, it's hard for us to imagine what an incredible invasion this was of the gospel into a piece of territory. It's estimated that because populations were lower than they are now, that there were probably 1.5 to 2 million people in the province of Asia at that time. So what we are saying, or what the Bible is saying, is that in two years, 1.5 to 2 million people heard about Jesus. I mean, that is that is phenomenal. That's, uh, I mean, that means that we could pretty much have South Africa done and dusted in 30 years. We've been at this for a lot longer, so clearly they were going, they were were having results that we don't have. What I'd like you to note is all the the um, words I've underlined there that they were having daily discussions that went on for two years. That all the Jews and Greeks, there were only Jews and Greeks in those days. So literally, that was all the people who lived there heard the word of the Lord. Now, when we when we read that, most of us today are thinking about the word of the Lord as being the Bible. You would agree with that? We that somehow the Bible was preached to them, but they didn't have the Bible. The Bible was not put. This Bible that we use was not put together yet. So what were they? What word of the Lord did they hear? So I'm going to do a little bit of teaching. Are you all okay with that? Get out your pens and papers. This is going to be important stuff. So you will have, especially if you have been around the church for a while, you will have heard that there are two Greek words for the word "word," and that is logos and rhema. You will have also heard it's a very popular all over the place that the word logos is the written word, our Bible, and that the word rhema is the spoken word. Have have any of you heard that before? So, so I, I shouldn't have made you say it out loud out your mouths because it's wrong. 
That is not at all what the definitions of logo and rhema are. That word that we saw, they all heard the word of the Lord. So in other words, it was spoken. They all heard it. Is the word logos. And logos and rhema are pretty much used interchangeably throughout the Bible. Sometimes they're written and sometimes they're spoken. That's not the difference between logos and rhema. But here you have the logos was heard throughout the whole province of Asia. Asia. And the logos literally is this. It's, logos is the word that we put at the end of our words like biology. It's, it means the full counsel of, a representation of all that there is in something. So logos literally is, um, as used by John, you remember the very famous passage that at the beginning of the book of John which says, in the beginning was the word, the logos, and the word was with God, and the word was God. In other words, biblically speaking, the logos is the full counsel of God. It's like the manifestation of all who God is. Jesus Christ is the manifestation of who God is. He represents everything that is God to the world. So the Logos, when they talk about the word of the Lord that spread across the whole area, they're talking about a kind of the message of who God is through Jesus Christ, being um, coming across and invading every part of the community, going into every house, into every school, into every road, into every business, like every, it was the, the revelation of who God is. A very famous revival in the Hebrides in way back when. They, they said this about the revival. They said, God was in the air. It was like wherever you went, you heard about Jesus. Wherever you went, he was on their lips. They were talking about it. This is the kind of scenario we're we, we seeing here, that the revelation of God through Christ Jesus was invading everything. Slave girls were talking to slave girls about Jesus. Business owners were talking to their friends about Jesus. Merchants were talking about Jesus as they sold their goods and bought other goods. Everywhere you went, the word of the Lord, the understanding of who Christ is, the manifestation of God on the earth today was being spoken about. It was invading conversations. It was invading dinner table. Well, they didn't really use tables. It was invading those lie down on your side meals. You know, those things. It was invading everything. It was invading the conversations everywhere. God was in the air. So if that's Logos, what is Rhema? Interesting enough, now I just want to jump back and tell you a little bit more about Logos. When it says the word of the Lord is living and active in Hebrews 4, the word of the Lord is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, bone and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart, that's the Logos. That's the revelation of Christ, that what it does is it literally comes in and and sorts out your mind. It literally comes and separates the wrong from the right. It literally reveals truth. It, it sets you free. You will, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It sets you free because it, it distinguishes between truth and lies. It makes Christ obvious. 
the Logos, the full counsel of God, the written word of God is a manifestation of that Logos. It is not the Logos, but it is a place where you can find parts of the Logos. So when we read our Bibles, we interface with Christ. We interface with who he is. We interface with the full counsel of God. And it, it begins to separate wrong from right, reveal stuff, make us new, set us free. Now, what is the rhema? I know it's a church, but... <laughs> rhema is also that thing that we read in the Bible in Romans 10, where it says that uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's rhema. And what rhema is, rhema is also part of the logos. So nothing, nothing that is true can ever be anything other than logos. So who God is, that's truth. And everything else that is truth must come out of that. And so rhema, the word of the Lord that, that produces faith in our hearts, that, that comes alive in us, is in fact part of that Logos. It, it's the thing that happens when you read your Bible and a particular verse just jumps at you. And it's like you can hear God speak it to you. You see, what the rhema is, is it's the, it's the part of the word that interfaces with your soul. It's when God wants to come and speak personally to you. It's, it's that part of God's voice that interfaces with your heart. It's like when you're listening to a sermon and something the preacher says, just like, wham, that was just for me. Then that's the rhema word of the Lord to you. It's like the, the now present actual thing that he's saying out of the full logos. It can never, ever, ever contradict the logos. That's how we test it. It can never con contradict who Jesus is. It can never contradict the Word of God, the Bible. But it always it brings to light that particular thing you need to know. So you see, this Word of the Lord, this Logos, was, was um, invading. The difference... Have you ever been dissatisfied with your life? Don't raise your hand, especially if your spouse is next to you. <laughs> but have you ever felt like when you read the Bible, that reality versus your reality, there was kind of a gap? Have you ever felt that? Please have felt that. Because part of what the job of the Logos is to do is to alert you to the fact that there's a gap between God's reality and your reality. And what it's meant to do is it's meant to fill that gap with truth. Because we fill that gap with all kinds of other things. We fill it with complaining, with anger, with depression, with frustration. We shout at our spouses, you never do, I know. We irritated with our friend. We think our lecture is all the old problem. But you see... We don't, to bridge that gap, we cannot use those things. We have to allow 
the word of the Lord to invade that gap. We have to allow God to start ramoring to our own souls, speaking to us, bringing out of the Logos the revelation we need. We need to allow the Logos to begin saturating our minds so that, in essence, God moves us across that gap into his reality. That's, that's why we come to church. That's why we read our Bibles. That's why we go to Connect Group. Because we are, we are asking God, we are acknowledging this gap, and we are asking God to fill it and to move us across that gap into his reality. Njalo indeed. This is a new clicker. Heck, there's a gap between God's reality and our reality. <laughs> so we, we carry on with the story. And it goes on like this from verse 11. It says, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that every handkerchief, even handkerchiefs, sorry, and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. Heck, guys! I mean, that, one of the comments in my connect group was, when are we going to see that? Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. When I read this, however, I always, you know, you know, Paul was a tent maker. And I don't know, that seems like quite physical work. So I always picture him sweating onto his aprons and wiping the sweat with his handkerchief. And I'm just like, was it the sweat that healed them? Anyway, that's just my own personal thing. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think we can know. But you see, into this atmosphere of the word of the Lord just invading an entire region, where the, word, the, the story of Jesus was on everyone's lips, you see, we look at these extraordinary miracles and we say, we want those. We want those. But what we have to examine is the environment that was allowing these miracles to happen. Because you see, miracles don't just happen because one person's anointed. I want you to understand, Jesus was clear. Often when he prayed for people, that it was their faith that allowed them to get healed. He, when that man was lowered through the sea, the roof the, by his four friends in front of Jesus, that lame man, it says he looked at their faith. So you see, there's, there's something about all of our faith together that is, that is pulled up by the word of God that creates an environment that something like this can happen. How did that, that kind of faith invade an entire region? Do you remember in the previous slide, two slides back, it says that they were having daily discussions for two years. Daily discussions for two years. This is how committed they were to discovering the truth. It's like there was a daily delving into the message of Christ. They were daily wrestling with it, thinking with it, uh, working through it, talking to one another, telling their friends. Just, there was this, this constant allowing your mind to dwell on the truth of Jesus Christ. Daily discussions for two years, and this is what it produced. 
Now, I mean, I don't know when these miracles started, so maybe they didn't take two years to start, but nonetheless, this was the environment that was producing these kind of miracles. You see, when, the, when you live in the Word of God, the Word of God begins to live through you. This is what we're seeing. Paul, daily discussions, it's like, it's like the Word of the Lord could not help but ooze out of him into the aprons and handkerchiefs. I mean, it was just like, I can't, I can't stay here. It's like, this, this vessel's too small. It was just, it was just invading people. And, you know, I don't know if we're going to start praying over handkerchiefs or not. I mean, I, I don't think we're going to start doing that. But this was the only time that this is really talked about in the Bible. The point is not handkerchiefs and aprons. The point is extraordinary miracles. The point is that when you spend that amount of time meditating on, living in, talking about the Logos, the, allowing the rhema to bring to life stuff, stuff in your own soul, when you spend that much time doing that, something brilliant happens. Something amazing is going to happen. I don't know what it is, guys. And that's half the beauty of it. Because who knows what God could do? Who knows what he could explode over our region, over our nation, over our families? There's no limit to what he could do because he's God. Lola, my friend, can you start just changing my slides? Thank you. Moving, I will I'll indicate with my finger. Thank you, Lola. So it says there that we carry on with the story. Some Jews... I love this part because it's so darn amusing. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva. Thank you, darling. I mean, that was written entirely for Andrew. The seven sons of Sceva who were supernaturally suspect. Interestingly enough, in the Greek, it actually doesn't alliterate. I mean, it's like when God set this all out, he, he, was, he was thinking of Andrew Gosman like thousands of years ago and said, when they put this in English, it's going to thrill him. <laughs> Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, also, believe it or not, there was no chief priest that we know of called Sceva. He was, he was clearly calling himself a chief priest, even though he wasn't officially one were doing this. <laughs> One day, the evil spirit answered them. Jesus, I know. I mean, if this wasn't so scary, it would be like so funny. Jesus, I know, and I know about Paul, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. 
I know, crazy times, crazy times. I mean, like I said, when, when you live in the Word of God, some crazy things happen. But what I notice from this, first of all, I mean, these seven sons of Sceva were, they were a class of people, like a group of people in, in the Jewish community who, who weren't fully immersed in Orthodox Christian, or Orthodox Judaism, um, who, who went around from town to town, place to place, offering um, deliverance to anyone who's tormented. And um, th they found like little amulets and things that they used to use. And you would like take this thing and wear it around your neck and say these little prayers um, all over. It's kind of, kind of like putting your bed on bricks for the tokolosh kind of thing or wearing like a little, little um, uh, crystal around your neck to kind of ward off evil. You know, they, they, were, they were of that class. They were of that class. And um, what, I, what I note immediately is that, that basically, although they were called Jewish, they, they were pretty much friends with the dark arts. And what I note about this is that the devil has no friends. I mean, if this is what he does to his friends. You see, the devil has no friends. And you know, he comes to all of us quite friendly-like. You know, he whispers in our ear, it's okay to be afraid. He whispers in your ear, yeah, it's true. She is terrible, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, your boss, it's all his fault. Yeah. You're so right. You know, he's, that voice, yeah, you're so right. It is hopeless. It is hopeless. Heck, everyone's doing it. No one will see. You know how he is. And he, he sounds like a friend. But guys, the bottom line is, he has no friends. He has no other objective but to destroy you. He hates you with a passion. He hates anything that God loves. And the devil has no friends. Play with that and you will eventually end up like this and worse. It's like having a snake as a pet and sleeping with it and being surprised one day that you get bitten. Don't do it. Just don't do it. Say no when he's still being friendly. Because the devil has no friends. The other thing I note, which I love is much better, is that everything, including the demons, know Jesus. <laughs> Guys, the storms that you face, they know Jesus. And they must submit to it. The pain you're feeling knows Jesus, and it must submit to it. The heartache you're experiencing knows Jesus, and it must submit to him. Everything in all of creation knows Jesus. That's worth it. Did you note that it says, the demons, they said, Jesus we know, and then it says, and Paul we know about. Did you note that? 
You see, the word it uses, you, you guys are going to be Greek scholars by the end of this. Are you, are you all good with that? So, so the, the word for they knew Jesus is the word gnosko. And it's a fantastic word. It's something we don't actually use in English. But it's a concept that the Jewish people had that sometimes you can only know something by experiencing it. And literally what it means is that they had experienced Jesus. They, they, didn't just ha they hadn't just heard about him. They didn't just know about it like some they'd read a scroll somewhere. It's like they had met him. Where had they met him? My friend, <laughs> this Jesus, it says in Genesis that, that the serpent would bruise his heel and he would crush his head. Do you understand that there was a time when Jesus had been crucified in the process of being resurrected, that he was standing on the devil's head? My friend, when someone has stood on your head, you know them. You know them. They, they knew Jesus. They knew Jesus. It's like, heck, it's Jesus. Get out of here. They, you know, I, I'm sure like, they got a headache all over again just thinking of him. Then it says, and Paul I know about. You see, it's possible that when Jesus was standing on the devil's head, he said something along these lines. I mean, the Bible doesn't say it. This is my addition. Take it, don't take it. But I, I can see the devil, I mean, Jesus standing on the devil's head. All his demons, I mean, maybe Jesus, you know, piled them all together and just did one big stand, I'm not sure. But he's standing on the head. And, he said, and guys, there's going to come a time when I am going to live in millions and millions and billions of people. And when they come, they will come in my name. And when they come in my name, it's like I've come. This, me standing on your head, I want you to remember this. Because when they rock up, when they rock up, I will be with them. What you do when I'm in the room, you will do when they're in the room. Jesus I know, and Paul I've heard about. Oh my word, this is one of them. They've, they'd heard the stories of the other deliverances that Paul had done. And there's, there's word going about in, in demon-like communities. Heck, it's one of them. Jesus is with them. When he walks in the room, you better run. You better run. Jesus I know, and Paul I've heard about. Guys, you know, it wasn't just Paul that Jesus was referring to. It was you. Because you come with the presence of Jesus. There is, there is never, ever anything in the world to fear. Not the devil, not all of his minions. Because we are in Christ. And when we stand in a situation, Christ stands there too. 
And the only reason we don't see some of these things is because there's a gap between his reality and our understanding of reality. And we need to fill it with the Logos. We need to be talking about, thinking about, um, discussing, reading the Logos continually so that the rhema can rise up in our hearts and bring faith. Ultimately, the, the truth of the story is you can't fake it. You're either in Christ or you're not in Christ. I'm going to tell you a quick story. When I was newly married, and still at that time trying very hard to impress my in-laws. After a while that wore off, I just realized, heck, I can only be who I can be. But right then, I was trying to do it. And I, I have many great qualities. One of them is not keeping a tidy house. I try, guys. I really try, but I don't know, I don't know how. It's just the mess keeps creeping in. It's just, it just happens. I had, I, had one small, I had one small child at that stage, David. And... Um, you know what? I was having a little bit of a rough day. The dishes weren't uh, washed. We had a tiny little place, so everything was basically one room. The dishes weren't washed, and I was going to get to them. I promise I was. I was on the way. And then, David, I, I, I had a newspaper, and I'd been reading it, and I'd put it on the floor, and David was on the floor, and he'd started ripping it up like he'd pulled himself over, and he'd started ripping, and he was having so much fun, I just left him. And there was like bits of torn paper all over. I know, guys, please don't judge me. Please don't judge me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Anyway, so, so the place looked crazy. The place looked crazy. It doesn't always look like that. I've, I've grown since then. I've grown since then. The Logos has done its work in my heart. <laughs> don't ask Andrew. So... Anyway, I'm, I'm in this situation, and you know what? I, I think I was in my sloppy old clothes, you know, just not expecting anyone. And suddenly there's a knock on the door. And I'm like, oh my word. So we had little people, I go look through the people, and there on the other side is my father-in-law. Oh my gosh, and he is like, he's just in the neighborhood, he was just popping around on a friendly surprise visit. I'm like, I'm standing there, and I'm like, Lord Jesus, I'm going to pretend to not be here. I'm just, I can't do this. He cannot see my house like this. I just can't do it. So I like pressed myself against the wall so that even if he looked the wrong way through the peephole, he couldn't see me. And I just stood there and he knocked and he knocked and he knocked. And I was like, Lord Jesus, forgive me, but I just can't do this. Now we had like like I said, it was all one room, but, but if you left the front door and went around into the garden, there were windows that just looked onto the whole house. So I'm standing like pressed against the wall. The knocking stops. I know, guys. I know, guys. God has redeemed me from a lot. From a lot. The, my father-in-law walks around comes to the window and he's peering in and there I am in my sloppy clothes pressed against the wall and just chaos so I mean what do you do you put a smile on your face you walk over to the window. hi dad I, I didn't know who it was come on in 
sit down. Let me clear a place for you. Sit down here. Would you like some tea? Oh my gosh, the most awkward 45 minutes of my life. He was also awkward. He left there so fast, you know. It's just like, <laughs> just awkward, awkward, awkward. But it's something like that with our own souls, you know. It's like we think we can hide stuff, but it's like our, our whole souls are just windows to the Word of God. And you know, he can, he can see in everywhere. And the beauty of it is your, your soul can be the biggest mess you can ever imagine. He still wants to come in. He still loves you. He still chooses you. But the bottom line is you can't fake it. You can't fake it. He sees everything. So the, so the right thing to do is to say, Jesus, I'm a mess. Come in, help me. You see, you can't, pre you can't present this facade, this beautiful front door. And then think that you can stand in difficult situations and make it. It just won't happen. So the bottom line is you have to let him in to everything. And then you'll stand no matter what. You can't fake it. We're going to finish the story quickly. It says, when this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed their evil deeds. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. That, my friends, is 137 years' worth of salary, over 33 million rand. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power as if it wasn't everywhere anyway now just like went everywhere all over again and the bottom line is that God always wins the bottom line is that God always wins even when the demons are beating up friends or not so friends God turns all of that, everything, every single thing, everything that the enemy meant for evil, he turns around and he always wins. And I want to stand here today and I want to speak to the government of South Africa and I want to say this, God always wins. Repent and receive Jesus. I want to say to the business leaders of our nation, God always wins. Repent and receive Jesus. I want to say to every drug lord in our nation, God always wins. Repent and receive Jesus. I want to say to every criminal, hijacker, person doing ungodly things, God always wins. Repent and receive Jesus while you can. And I want to say to every broken heart, to every person damaged by the world around them, to every lonely person, to every discouraged person, to every forsaken person, I want to say this, God always wins. Trust him, trust him, trust him. So Father, Father, we want to be this kind of people. Lord God, we want to know that you always win. We want the Logos to do its work in our lives and we want to allow 
as we live in the word, we want the word to live through us. Holy Spirit, we want to be the kind of people that Jesus is on our lips every minute of the day, that we're speaking to our families, we're speaking to the people around us, that, that just normal conversations are turned towards the glory of who God is. Look, the testimony of what you've done in our lives, we want it everywhere. We want to speak Jesus everywhere, Lord. We want to, we want to in, as far as we are able, create an environment where the Logos is pervading and the rhema word of God is touching hearts that people are hearing and receiving, that they are running in repentance, bringing the, the paraphernalia of their old life and sacrificing it for you, Lord. Lord God, we want, we want to be transformed by your word. Lord God, help us. Help us, help us. Lord God, we, we want the gap between your reality and our reality to be closed as you, as you lead us and you change us. As you lead us and you change us. Lord God, who knows what could happen if we fully surrender, we fully say yes, we fully allow the word to do its work in our lives. What could happen, Lord? Father God, the possibilities are endless. The possibilities are endless. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Change us. I'm going to invite everyone to stand. And if you are here, And you know that you need Jesus. So you know, to some extent, all of our all of our souls are a little bit messed up. But Jesus is in there and he's busy working. But for some of us, we realize we haven't invited Jesus in. We actually haven't made that decision to surrender to Christ. We haven't we haven't allowed him to make us new. We might have been in church and, and we might have been presenting the right external facade to everyone, but, but we just didn't realize what it took. And now we're realizing it and we're saying, I want to make a change. I want Jesus inside of me. I want to surrender to him. I want him to be my Lord and Savior. I want to be a new person. I don't want to just be trying to be a good person. I want to really be a good person because he's come and changed me. And so I'm going to invite us to all pray this together. Those of you who know you need to make that change, pray it along with all of us. Lord Jesus, I come to you and I surrender my life. Lord, I acknowledge I have lived my life without you. Lord, it's not working. I repent and I turn to you. I acknowledge you as the only way back to God. Lord, take over my life. Be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Yeah, I give the Lord a hand because why not?
If you are here and you prayed that prayer and you you meant for there to be a change in your life, maybe you pr- this is the first time you've prayed it, or perhaps you've prayed it another, another couple of times, but this time there's something real about it. I would love you to just raise your hand because I'd love to pray for you personally. Is there anyone here who did it? Thank you. Anyone else who prayed that prayer? Thank you. Thank you all over. Yes, give them a hand. Those of you who raised your hands, I would love you to just come forward with me for a moment. I'd love to actually physically lay hands on you. Give them a hand as they come. There's some more coming. Extend our hands to them. Lord Jesus, I pray for these. Holy Spirit, we welcome them home. Welcome to the family. Lord God, I just pray that you would you would fill them with your spirit. We acknowledge the prayer they've prayed and we say yes with them. Thank you, Lord. We bless them with every good thing. We pronounce them belonging to you, born again, part of your family. We welcome them home. We say there's a place for you. We've been waiting for you. Thank you, Lord. Release them. Fill them with your spirit. Fill them with your spirit, Lord. Fill them with your spirit, Lord. Fill them with your spirit. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I am going to invite you. Well done. Can we give them another hand? I'm going to invite you to go with this magnificent woman behind you. Her name is Gerata, and she has some information she wants to give you, just some things she wants to tell you so that you can have a strong foundation and you can walk well in Jesus Christ. We have ignition that we'd love you to be a part of so that you can learn what it means to walk as a Christian. We love you already. Can't wait to get to know you some more. Thank you, Gerata. If you wouldn't mind following her, God bless you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Love you all. You're glorious. Jesus is with you. Amen and amen.